welcome to The Wheel Deal with myself, Dr. Wheeler. The Wheel Deal is a weekly podcast that will feature issues present and past as they relate to mental health, parenting, LGBTQIA, and more. I look forward to future guests joining the show, and I hope you will join us each and every week as I dive into topics that matter providing grounded information. Namaste. Welcome back to another episode on The Wheel Deal with Dr. Wheeler. I'm really not going to spend a lot of time welcoming. I do appreciate you listening, listening for the first time, or if you've been rocking with me. I got to get something off my chest. I got to get something off my chest, my people. Oh, my gosh. Yesterday, I refrained from recording because I felt like I was too emotional. Well, today, I'm equally, if not more, emotional. I have such tense... uh, (laughs) opportunity filled days at work we'll say it like that that I have little to no time to check my phone social media etc a part of me loves that because by the time I look around it's time to go part of me finds that difficult because sometimes there's calls I need to make and responses that need to happen And if I don't take an extra second in the bathroom, which I don't like taking my phone in with, it is extra difficult. But when I got home from an already intense and emotional draining day to see the news about the elementary school shooting, I immediately got sick, sad, and livid. And I made the decision, I'm not holding off on recording anymore. What would be the worst thing that can happen about my listeners hearing my passion? That's how I felt, that's how I feel, and so I'm going to get right into it. I got two disclaimers. One, I'm not recording in my normal environment, so I'm hoping that the sound quality is good. And two... I'm also in a situation where you may get a little bit of background noise. And again, I apologize for that. But this conversation has to happen right now. And I'm asking, I'm asking, I'm seriously asking and hoping that I will get some people who will want to join in on the next episode. Let's make this topic right here a series. And let me get some commentary. Let's talk about it. If you agree, let's talk about it. If you disagree, let's talk about it. If you feel like you need help and you want to ask me a question, let's talk about it. If you feel like you can educate me on something that I don't know, let's talk about it. I would love to have a guest join me on the show. I am three minutes in and haven't even given you a title. I surely know the topic, but I struggled with what to call it. It's a 911 for sure. You may not know, but um, I produced and published a book prematurely, 
meaning I did not pay for editing, and it's available on Amazon. The title of that book is 911. Can someone please save our children? 911. Can someone please save our children? And if you get into that book, which is not a shameless plug, try to look over the lack of editing and reach into the context and see my passion and my cry for help for our most precious resources, children. My passion has cost me relationships, friendships, and jobs. I don't get quit, I I don't get fired, I quit. Because I am just that passionate about people, but 100% more about children. Anybody, regardless of what arena they met me in, will all tell you she's passionate about children. She don't play about children. I've gotten agencies closed because I don't play about children. I've called on my own friends because I don't play about children. I've been able to look supervisors directly in their eyes and tell them what a disservice they are doing to the children. Not because I'm disrespectful or insubordinate, because I'm passionate about children. The only reason I spent those minutes telling you about me It's because when I get on this soapbox of this topic, I may go somewhere I'm not planning to go. Unapologetically, and I will do no editing. Because if I don't, who will? I'm not the only one. I'm not a superhero. And I don't even like getting the accolades and hearing that they wish I was cloned. That frustrates me even more. Because I do nothing but what I know God loves me and calls me to do. I don't go out my way. I don't go, well, I do go above and beyond. But it's no, it's, it's tireless. It's effortless because it's not me. I am his vessel. But it's so sad and unfortunate that people tr- really choose, choose to be in direct influence to our most precious resources and choose to mishandle them. I am losing it. And I actually said, I'm just going to go work at a gas station today because I either have a stroke, I snap, or I become numb and blind to it like half the people around me, and I will never and could never do that. The topic, seven minutes in, if you didn't already see by the title on the heading, when I posted this, we're going to go with, does anybody care about our children? Does anybody care about our children? 
When I was 13, I was babysitting five girls. Latino family, mom and dad, five girls. The youngest of the five disclosed to me that dad was touching them inappropriately. I asked the rest of the girls, had a hard time getting them to admit it because they were afraid because he had warned them and threatened them and scared them into not talking about it. That's why it took the youngest sister to tip me off. So being 13, I didn't know what to do with the information, but I knew it wasn't right. The benefit was my mother worked for Department of Children and Family Services. I spent a lot of my teenage years reading child development and child psychology books, but my mother always warned me to never get in this field. It weighs on your heart and you don't pay, it doesn't pay much. That's what she used to say. It weighs on your heart and it don't pay much. She tried to push me into computer science. That's where the money's at. This is what she was saying. I tried computer science and basically ended up dropping it. It was boring as heck. And what I didn't know then that I completely know now, I suck with technology. I don't like it. I rebuke it. I try to avoid it at all costs. We're going to get back to the topic at hand, though. So my mom walked me through making the hotline call to report the father's sexually molesting his five daughters. What wigged me out about that situation even more was the fact that the mother was so angry that we had called and reported her husband for having sex with all five of her kids that she actually vandalized my mother's car and she caused us so much grief, we ultimately ended up moving. Even at 13, I knew nobody was out there trying to save our most precious resources. And it made me angry. That was 13. I had to finish high school. Um, fortunately now, unfortunately then, I became a mother at the age of 18. So I ended up leaving my senior year and just testing out to get the GED just to be complete because they were not gonna let me Stay in school, going to a Catholic school because I was pregnant. So then I started working with developmentally disabled adults. I had to change some things there, and then I went to work with developmentally disabled children. They were trying to feed those children what I'm going to call mush, the same food that they were giving adults, regardless of disability, regardless of the fact that they were in group homes, they were still children, and we know what children like. 
I got in trouble for getting them different food. I got in trouble for getting them clothes. I got in trouble for getting them caricature comforters. Oh, but when it was time for the Jayco, which is accreditation, then they would go and get all the things I just mentioned. The kids were on too much medication. It was causing problems. I was trying to help them be the best children they could be. Because of that, being a supervisor and a, what was called a cottage coordinator, I had conversations with the nurses and doctors about trying to reduce or discontinue certain medication so that the children would have a greater advantage over their day-to-day lives. What I didn't realize in my young age, early 20s, that I know now is that when you remove a medication, it could remove a diagnosis, which then reduces the amount of social security disability income. So when the money was messed with, the agency was not happy with me. And they ultimately made me feel that I had did something wrong, even though I was doing my best to help those children. Horrible, right? (sighs) Leaving that job was when I made my decision that I had to go back to school. And I went for my associate's degree in human resources. From there, I spent some more time working with the developmentally disabled before going into nursing homes. My first entry into nursing homes was as an activity director. And I'm only going to give a brief synopsis of this because these are children on the other end of life. I had to work on the terminal unit. People were on trachs and vents and were terminal, meaning soon to pass away. The time when my supervisor called me in the office to reprimand me, it was because he said I was spending too much time with the residents. Spending too much time with the residents, the terminal residents, the ones who are actively dying. So to appease him and still do what I know God was calling me to do, I went in before my shift and took care of them, and I went in after my shift and took care of them because I would do things like sensory stimulation, reading, playing music, Giving sips of soda through a straw. That's the way I met my godmother 20-some years later. We still got a connection. But anywho, going back to my babies. I went to a crisis nursery. Well, same job, but my position before the crisis nursery was I was a foster care case aide. In that position... I had to take children from the foster home to a visit with the parent, either at our building, at the parent's home, or in jail, prison. 
During my time working there, I had a situation where a little girl told me that her foster father was touching her inappropriately. So I assisted that young lady with the hotline call. The hotline said that they were not taking the call and would not be investigating. I asked for further details about that and was told because the young girl said private part and not vagina that they would not be accepting the call and I had to return her to the foster home with the foster father who she said was molesting her. Approximately three months later, I heard that she was finally removed from the home for the same reason. So she had to endure 90 more days of horrible, horrible things because she said private parts and not vagina. But I bet you know now if I don't do nothing else is tell these parents, look, at one and a half, the first, she said mama, dada, boo-boo, baba, vagina. As uncomfortable as it may feel, please teach her that word because this is why. And a lot of my parents took heed. So like I said, I started off at that foster care because of those things and others I wanted to get out of that so the supervisor pulled me over to the crisis nursery and that was an amazing role even there I had an opportunity to do parenting classes first time I think I was called in an office for something that I probably was doing wrong and not right I was told that I wasn't being compassionate enough with the parents because this is all I used to hear. I don't do it because my mom didn't do it. It's like this because their father isn't there. Nobody did it for me, so why should I do do it for them? I this, I that, excuse after excuse. And in my 20s, I wasn't trying to hear it because I was looking at the detriment it had on the child. Break the cycle. Get over it. Do better. Stop making excuses. I don't have no this. I don't have no that. I was just talking to uh, one of my um, parents out of a different program. And, you know, I was just trying to tell her, yeah, you know, Uber is expensive. That's why you take the bus. She was trying to explain how having to get her to daycare and go to work and blah, blah, blah would be too much. I know. I know because I've been through too much. I did it in the winter. I walked miles. People would blow at me who knew me and keep going. Sometimes for them little two eyes bubbling back at you, you got to do what it takes. It may not feel good. It may not be good. You got to do what it takes. So that was the issue with the parenting classes and then just seeing the disarray of the babies that had to come through there with parents with addiction, domestic violence, just abusive because they have no clue 
on how to properly parent their child. Oh, the detriment got on me so bad. Again, why do you think I have a book, Parenting 911? Can someone please save our children? So then you start looking at the school system. We already know about the preschool to prison pipeline for our black boys. We already know about a lot of white educators who don't even believe black students are capable. I still remember my mom arguing with the school about ACT and SATs. They don't even think about that when it comes to black and brown kids. <laughs> no child left behind. What a joke. Teachers screaming, belittling, embarrassing children. Unsafe classrooms where children can't even focus on learning because they have to keep themselves safe. Whether that means roaming the halls or acting out. Allowing behaviors when you've been taught, told, and know every behavior is for a reason. There is an emotion behind it. All the trauma that walks into a school building, and yet the majority of the time, it's screaming and yelling about behaviors. O-M-G. We got a mental health system that fails them. In the beginning, when they're young, they want to dope them up on medicine. Low-income parents are all for it because guess what? Now we can get a check in this house. Yep. Put them on the pills. I might make them take them. I might not. But just make sure we get the check every month. No working relationships between teachers and parents only create a detriment and hindrance for the child. But that's almost all you see. I commend the teachers who go hard regardless. I commend the parents who make it their number one priority Mental health systems are broken, are just about as far behind, if not further, than the criminal justice and the child services. Look how many children die in child protective custody. Three times now. Even my first week at my most recent job, I had to talk to a child who was being molested. Yesterday, I wanted to do this podcast episode because a parent told me that after I begged her and her husband to allow the authorities to handle a situation about a grown man totally taking advantage of their daughter and their daughter being brave enough to scream for help 
right away, which most take years to do, turn to suicide, self-abuse, self-harm, cutting, alcoholism, uh, prostitution, drug addiction. This little girl screamed for help. Her parents got on it, made the call, called the authorities, called protective services. It took seven days for protective services to call back. They said they have 60 days to determine if her daughter's story is credible. The detective said that as far as he's concerned, the man is innocent until the forensic interview with her daughter is done. Forensic interview scheduled for Friday, and it took me 40 minutes to coax mom to go ahead and go through it so we're not dropping the ball on her daughter. Ultimately, they are, and that's their karma and their conscience. This man sodomized an eight-year-old and more we don't know about. And he is still roaming around. Oh, so when people take things into their own hands they get in trouble and they have to serve time and they're held accountable but what are you speaking to a family and a child who is screaming for protection and you got her perpetrator running free because you have to wait until you forensically investigate her to make sure her story is true like the only thing an 8 year old could think of to talk about is a man and all the inappropriate things he did to her? What what would she get out of making that story up and how would she know how? Then you come to these shootings. Rest in peace and my heart is weeping. Oh my God, I'm going to have a good cry about it. To the families. The report is that this young man killed his grandmother first. Shot her. We got to make sure it's a killed. I didn't watch too much further because I want to jump on this podcast and release. But let me tell you this. We're going to find out that in one way or another, this young man cried for help recently and in the past how it was provided, whether it was provided, if anyone acknowledged it, I'd be interested to know. But I promise you, no matter how wrong his decision today was, and it was horribly wrong, somewhere, somebody failed him. And the same way we acknowledge the grief, we got to acknowledge the truth. Because if anybody will ever freaking acknowledge the truth, 
you can work towards making things better. But if you can't even own your shit, own your shit, how will it be better? You can't ask for help as a parent because you're struggling and then go home and do the exact opposite. If I say punish and you go home and beat, do you really want help? Do you really want to be a better parent? Or you will, can you continue to resort to what you know, regardless of how it's not working? I had an ex whose family used to laugh at her because she would beat the mess out of her son only for him not to listen. She would call me at work and I would get him through together over the phone because I show them that I care and that I hold them accountable. And when they do right, they get rewarded and I reward well. But if you ain't on what you're supposed to be on, it ain't coming. That's the only reason that young man listened to me. The only reason a lot of these children listen to me. You have to care. And you have to do things different. Violence begets violence. I don't care how many times these old grandmas and old parents and dysfunctional people want to know. That's that slave mentality. You didn't like it when Massa was doing it to us. So why are we doing it to our most precious resources? What you do is what they will do, not what you say. What you do is what they will do, not what you say. What you do is what they will do, not what you say. Please, please, somebody, anybody out there who hears me right now, take an active, positive role in a child's life. This world is suffering. Suffering. And I'm going to die trying my hardest to touch the life of every person God brings my way in a better way. Nobody should walk away from you feeling like they did when they walked to you. If you see it, say it, and do something about it. The village mentality needs to come back. The village mentality needs to come back. Prayer in schools need to come back. Prayer in schools need to come back. Does any freaking body care? Working all those hours and not being home with your children, you want to provide for them. Provide for them by loving them. This little girl told me today I would give it all up, Miss Wheeler, to have a caring mom. They don't need all that damn stuff. You want to post that you got it for them on Facebook and social media. They don't need all those clothes. They don't need name brand everything. Instagram don't have to see every outfit. Use that to spend time and go places and have experiences. I won't even spend all that money on an iPhone, but I can tell you how many kids got one downloading porn, doing inappropriate things. Ain't nobody checking it. Just sending them out there to be victimized. Come on now. Come on now. Be an example. Be someone they'll be proud of. Be someone they can be like.
It's hard to preach to you out of your child, ain't it? It's hard. Some of these kids, when they talk, it sound like they parent. Just rude, disrespectful, inappropriate, can't find a word, so you're cussing. Can't have spell it. Your parent couldn't spell it. Y'all both struggling. That's why they're not applying no pressure on you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I don't want to have to go work at the gas station. And I don't want to have strokes and heart attacks trying to be the Savior. Like my godmom tell me, do your part and let God do the rest. Lord Jesus, I'm almost 50 and I'm trying to pull back more and more. I'm about to get into real estate. My heart is too heavy, but I'll never end the mission. I'll never end the mission. Know that. I will do public speaking. I will go speak at schools. I want to be a contractor consultant. I These precious babies mean the world to me. Sometimes I'd be mad y'all having them. So many of them. Can't figure it out. Lost as you want to be. Hoping the man stay. Sit down somewhere. Get off the phone. Sit down on the floor with them. Floor time. Game time. Family time. Eat together. Oh my God. Spending all that money on the book bag and don't ever open it. All right. I feel myself soapboxing. Please. Please, please, please. If you have the ability to affect the child's way, life, mine in a positive way do it if you know somebody who's struggling with their thoughts their feelings help them seek help and nothing wrong with therapy even therapists have to go to therapy life is hard talk that shit out to somebody who won't judge you That's it. Make sure you share this episode. Comment. Let me know who wants to come on the show. Talk about this. We can have a panel. What's good? Let me know. Namaste. This brings us to the close of this week's episode of The Wheel Deal with Dr. Wheeler. Be sure to share this with your friends, colleagues, and loved ones and return each week for more great topics and special guests. Until the next one, namaste. Namaste.